Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, Joseph was in charge of the whole prison. And that just blows me away. Why? Because here's a guy who got thrown into prison for something he didn't do. He was falsely accused. And God's hand was on his life so much, but but yet he's in prison. He's in prison. And and here's the thing, guys. Um, God was with Joseph, and Pharaoh gets up, gets upset with two fellas. You guys remember the butler and the baker, and he sends them to prison. Now, God, in his infinite wisdom, guess what? He brings them to Joseph. There's Joseph. Now, if you recall, where we left off last week is these two guys had some crazy dreams. I mean, I've had some crazy dreams in my life, right? I, I dreamt the other night that I was part of the Transformers, and yeah, and I don't even, that wasn't even my era, you know what I mean? That was you younger fellas, Transformers kind of thing. But I, I was, it's just crazy. I was just dream. It was just a dream. I was like, what was that all about, man? Optimus Prime, is that his name? Optimus? I said Optimus. <laughs> Optimus Prime was, anyways. So they have these crazy dreams, right? They have these crazy dreams. But to them, it felt so real. Guys, listen, their continents changed. Their whole facial expressions changed. And here's what I love about Joseph. Joseph recognized it. Do you remember he looked at him and he said, guys, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? Listen, Joseph noticed that these men were visibly upset. Now, I've had some crazy dreams. I've had some serious dreams. And and I don't know if I've ever had a dream where I woke up visibly upset. Now, I've cried in my dreams and I've, but but they, they he he noticed it. He noticed it, and, and he, here's what we don't understand. I mean, Joseph actually noticed that they were visibly upset, and they and since they didn't have any social media, something other than the current news, it really shook him up. And again, both had dreams. The problem was is there was a different outcome. Do you guys remember? You go, what happened? Well, the butler, better known as the cupbearer, okay, he was an official. He he served. In his dream, the outcome was he was going to be rest, restored back to service. That was the dream. Okay, he didn't understand the dream. He just was like, here's here's the dream, you know. Well, the the the, the baker, okay, the baker goes, whoa, oh, I like that. That's a good that's a good interpretation. Now tell t- tell me my dream, Joe, Joe, Joe. Tell me my dream, okay? And 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 do you guys remember what happened? The dream was not favorable. Joseph says, hey, man, in three days, man, you're going to be hung from a tree. And another great lesson we learned from this, guys, is we noticed, we noticed right off the bat the character of Joseph. You go, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean, guys. Well, we noticed that, that Joseph was a man of faithfulness. You go, how so? Because even in the, listen, he's in prison. He's got two guys. They had two dreams. The Lord gives them the interpretation. And you know what he does? He delivers the message even though it was heavy and it wasn't a good one. I think that's so key. Why? Because I think a good mark of a godly preacher, guys, is that he gives the whole counsel of God. You have to. Listen, I would love to have the seats filled and 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 be able to give inspirational and motivational and let's go get them champs and but i'm called to teach the word of god and in the word of god you have people like the baker who die you have people like john the baptist who was the greatest prophet jesus that ever lived he gets his head cut off i mean how, how do hey man Let's go get him. Just watch your heads, you know, I mean, because that could happen. I mean, we have to teach the word of God. Here's what, here's what is said in Acts, guys. Acts 20, 27 is for, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. There's some heavy texts in here. There's some heavy stuff that it's like, man, Lord, this is, this is not going to be a great me- This is, this is going to be a heavy message. People's hearts are going to be hurt. They're going to be, and yet we still got to deliver the word of God. May we not pander you with stories when real life is happening to you day by day. 
The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And so we can tell the truth. And I bet he did. He probably looked at him, and I bet you Joseph was crying. I bet he, his heart was broken when he said, listen, this is what God said. And, you know, get your affairs in order, bud. In three days, you're going to be hung from a tree. Well, guys, it happened exactly what Joseph said. God gave him the interpretation, and so be it. And last week, we left off in verses 20 through 23. Let's take a look of chapter 40 so we get a good run and go. It says, now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Okay? Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say that that's kind of been the story of Joseph's life, right? They, they forgot about me. They don't remember me. Listen, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying. And hey, listen, when, when you go back to Pharaoh, just tell him about me. And so all of a sudden, there's a big party. And Joseph's in the prison, and he hears it. Right? He's hearing the music, and he's like, oh, yeah, it won't be long now. This is great. This is great. I mean, hey, man, I'm going to be out of here in a few days. I'm going to be out in a few days. And then, um, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Then the music dies, right? The party's over. And so he doesn't get released. He doesn't get pulled out of prison, and. And the Bible says here that the, the butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And that's kind of where we pick up our story tonight, guys. We're going to see that Pharaoh has a dream, and we're going to see his dreams. He's going to have two of them, actually, and his dilemma. Guys, chapter 41, verse 1 says, Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, this is incredible, okay? Because this is the first verse. Now, the Bible's told us, guide over and over that God was with Joseph. Can I get an amen? Okay? And the Bible says that he was successful. Everything he touched prospered. Okay? So, I mean, even when he was with the band of Midianites, even when he was in Potiphar's house, I mean, you could see that God was with him. You could see the anointing. And yet we learn, guys, that that this trial for Joseph lasted two plus years. He's in prison. And so our friend Joe had the favor of God in his life, and yet he was in prison for over two years. And you go, Ben, what can we learn from this? What can we learn? Okay, I want you to wrap your minds around this. Okay, you ready? Because Joe is in a trial. We've had those. They're tribulations. They're things that we go through in our lives. Nothing is ever perfect. We don't have the ideal life. We struggle day to day, and, 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 and we all have our, our, our issues. Amen? But, but Joe, I mean, you go, what can we learn? Well, here's what we can learn, okay? Trials in life does not mean that you're not walking with God. Oh, boy, you've had a lot of trials. You might... Are you walking with God? How's your walk with God? How, I mean, it doesn't mean that, does it? Because the Bible says that, that God was with Joe. God was with Joseph. It doesn't mean that. The length of your trial does not determine if God is with you. I like that. I like that. Here's why. COVID-19, coronavirus, March, Man, we've been going through this, right? I mean, it feels like it's been 10 years. I don't know. I, I, I wake up and I think, what, where are the good old days? You know, back in, back in 2019, those are good old days, you know. <laughs> we, we could get a taco without masks. I mean, those are good days, man. Do you remember those days, man? Right? Okay. So it feels like a long time. But see, here's the thing, guys. The length of the trial, and people say, well, you know what? God is judging America. But you know what? I feel like God is still with us. He hasn't left us even in the length of the trial. Let me just say this to you. Listen to me. I feel like God is trying to warn the Christian. Be ready. Be ready. He's coming back. Okay? Okay? The, the, the wedding is about to take place. You have those butterflies in your stomach. Oh, the wedding. Here's the wedding. Oh. But he's also trying to warn the non-believers. 
Okay, he's trying to warn those who don't have a relationship with God. Listen, you keep looking for hope. You keep looking for a Savior, and you're missing Jesus. I can't wait till everything goes back to normal. No, 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 no. Listen, keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's, that's what he's saying. Okay? And one thing we need to understand and learn, guys, listen, about Joseph. You ready? Jot this down. God still has a plan. He has a plan and a purpose. Now, I love this verse to hold on to as application to our lives. You go, what's that? You guys know it probably memorized. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay? So if God has a plan and a purpose, Rosa, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's been unfolding it all your life. But Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us this. It says, for, and I'm reading from New Living, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not of disaster to give you a future and a hope. And everybody goes, amen, because I need a plan for my life. Now, let me do this. The integrity of the scriptures won't let me just use that verse without giving you the context. They just won't. I was like, oh, I just can't say it because... I understand contextually, guys, that he's speaking to Israel. Okay, I understand. I understand in the context, he meant that they would be restored as a nation after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. I understand all of that. I've understood Jeremiah. But when it comes to plans for my life, what I want to do is I want to take the godly principle and I want to say, listen, I've always known that God is in control of my life. He's always been in control of my life. He's always had a plan and a purpose for my life. Now, I haven't always been obedient to walk in it, but he's always guided me. And here's what I love about God. He gives us parameters. Here, here, here's the goal. Now, stay within the parameters. And there goes Ben. You know, and he's like, no, 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 come back. Oh, sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. And I'm moving through. Can, can I get a witness? Have you ever, have you ever done something? And then you find yourself drifting a little bit. And God says, come on, come on back. And you're like, oh, oh, I love that he does that. I love that he does that. Why? I would be in left field. Okay, this is left field over here. I was pointing right. I'd be in left field going, you know, I listen, I'd be like Adam. I don't know if he was looking at butterflies when Eve was, was, was eating the fruit. I don't know. But that'd be me. And God, no, no, no. But see, he has a plan. He has a plan. Guys, listen, the trials in your life, they were designed so that you could walk closer to Jesus. At the time, you're going, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, I want out, right? But they were designed. Now, listen, I found this on the internet. I thought it was very interesting. Let me give it to you. Dr. Charles Stanley, you guys know who he is. Here's what he writes concerning trials, trials, okay? The purpose for the trial in the life of the believer is one, jot this down, the Heavenly Father sometimes, everybody say sometimes, let's say it again, uses painful experiences to purify us. This is, this is, this is, this is Dr. Stanley, but I, I like that, right? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes to purify us, to purify us. You know when 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 you know when we're going to make a mess, right? You know when we're we're yeah. He he uses those things, and I think sometimes, guys, there's there's those painful trials, those hard times, and God pulls us back and says, "No, no, no, you're my kid. You're my kid." It's no different than. If Sarah had a, a, a pot of boiling water on the stove and she's getting ready to make some awesome spaghetti, she's just, and she's boiling the water and little Samuel went up to reach and daddy said, no, 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 right? And Samuel goes, Mm-mm, I'm not listening to you, dad. I'm going to read. Daddy would take him and why? Because daddy loves him and says, no, 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 listen, here, you're my kid. You're going to get hurt. He wouldn't be a loving father if he just goes, whatever, go ahead. 
He, you guys understand? So God uses painful things in our lives, guys, so he can purify. Oh, come on, you're my kid. Oh, oh, okay, Lord, sorry. Wow. Wow. Number two, he says, the Lord at times allows difficulty as a way of testing us. Testing us. Rather than complaining, we should exult in our tribulations, knowing that they are producing a proven character within us. I like that. Okay? I like that. Okay, quick test. You ready? How many of you, boom, 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 complained, boom, 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 that it was too hot this week? Yes, he busted, can't be trusted. Exactly, right? It's like, it's a hundred and dead, I'm melting. But, but listen, here's the thing. He's testing us. Let's just be positive. Let's just be positive. What's a good positive? Hey, at least it's not, it's not freezing. At least it's not freezing. Praise God for air conditioning. Amen. Amen. Number three. God uses suffering to display his power. Trials humble us by revealing our weakness. They teach us to depend, hello, on the Lord for power and perseverance and mature. That's what Dr. Stanley said. He says, listen, they display his power. Listen, when you, when you say, I can't, God says, I know, I can. I can. I love Peter. Don't you love Peter? Get out of the boat, Peter. Peter, is that you? You've heard me say this. Hey, Jesus, is that you? Yes, Peter, it's me. This is my paraphrase, okay? It's the Ben standard version. And so, and so Pete's like, hey, if that's you, Jesus, bid me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come. And so Pete's like, check this out. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. Until all of a sudden, I don't know, most people say he saw the circumstances, he saw... I mean, to me, I'd be like, dude, I'm walking on water. This can't happen. You know? But here's his prayer. Here's his prayer. You remember his prayer? It wasn't simple. It was just, God, help. Right? Help me. That's all he said. And I love that. Why? Because here's the thing. There's times, guys, when our simplest prayer is, God, help. God, please. God, if you don't intervene, God, this is... God, help. And then God demonstrates his power. Number four, he says, our suffering are for, our sufferings has eternal benefits. Eternal benefits. We walk closer with Jesus. The best illustration I can give you is when my wife had cancer. She was in the midst of um, chemotherapy. And she says to this day that she felt the breath of Jesus on her face. That's how close it is. And suffering and trials should draw us close. Now, now listen, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Let me let you in on a little secret. That's opposite of what the devil does. When you go through a trial, he wants to pull you away and tell you, he wants to tell you, God's not with you. God's not for you. He wouldn't, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen to you. And we believe him. What? And he wants to pull you. And the first thing you do is he pulls you away from fellowship. He pulls you away from people who are going to encourage you. Okay, well, I'm not going to go to that church. They're just mean. And then he pulls you away. And, I'm not, and you stop answering your phones. You stop answering texts. And all of a sudden, the trial that you're in, you find yourself alone and away from God. Let the truths encourage you to view your next trial from God's perspective. Though you may not feel like it at the time, the Lord is with you. He is your hope and sufficiency. That's what Dr. Charles writes, end quote. So, back to our text, okay? So two years later, guys, two years, Pharaoh has a dream. And one night, right, um, and one might say, how come God didn't give Pharaoh the dream well, still fresh in the mind of the butler. Okay, why two years later? Right? We're, we're really good. We're really good at questioning God. And that's a good question. God, why? why? Listen, you just received, it was your birthday. Okay, how about a day after your birthday? Give him that dream. Lord, give him the dream. I'll tell you why. Listen to me. 
It's a good question, but here's what we do. We must walk in God's perfect timing. And let me just say this to you, and I know it's commonplace and cliche, but God is never early and he's never late. It's his perfect timing. It's perfect timing. Take a moment and go back into your life and look at all the stuff that you go, man, that was God's timing. Man, that was God's time. Ooh. Okay, you ready? You ready for some deep stuff? You ready? Here's the thing. A lot of us in this room would go, man, I would go back and I would change a lot of things that I did. I would, man, if I could just be Superman and I could just make the world go back, I would change. But listen, here's the thing. If you went back and changed, you wouldn't be the person you are today to experience the things that you experienced. You wouldn't be the grown, mature, oh, I get it. And so there are things that we have to go through so we can walk closer to God. I say that all the time, guys. Oh, if I could go back, I would change this, I would change that. But that those trials, those situations, those, those falls, those, those bad choices, it made me the person I am today. And so although I know that they're there, I don't embrace them. I just go, okay, this is what makes me. And so I'm going to move. So, so I have to wait on God's perfect timing. Now, here's what I want you to see. When it comes to God's perfect timing, please understand he sees the parade from the beginning to the end. You understand? Okay? He sees everything in between, and you and I, we only see what the next float is going to be. Okay? If you've ever been to the parade, you sit there with anxious, and you go, oh, what's next? Oh, what's next? Oh, what's next? But Mike Jesus sees it from the beginning to the end and everything in between, and so he knows exactly. And you go, Ben, what does it mean? It means perfect timing from his perspective. This is why two years later. What did Joseph do for two years? I'm going to show you in just a minute. Stay tuned. Look at verse 2. Suddenly, there came up out of the river. Okay, here's the dream. Here's the dream. Out of the river, seven cows, fine-looking and fat. And, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. Okay, so the river he's speaking about is denial, right? He, it's denial. And so he sees these seven fat cows come up. He sees seven ugly cows come up, and they eat the fat cows, and literally Pharaoh's in denial. Get it? Okay. But then he has a second dream. So Pharaoh woke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly, seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plumpy and good. And then, behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. Verse 7. And seven thin heads devoured the seven plump full of, uh, full of heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed, it was a dream. Now, this is a crazy, but this is a real dream, okay? You ever have a dream where you wake up scared and you're afraid to go back to sleep because you feel like you're going to continue in that dream? Well, he continues, only it's a separate dream, and here's what we learn. Um, normally, you know, to see these cows come up out of the Nile River and then these thin cows eat them and then all of this stuff, you would think, okay, normally we would chalk that up to late-night pizza or spicy food before bed, Okay? Don't eat them jalapenos before bed, okay? This is going to give you crazy. Normally, we would do that. Yet something was different about the dream, right? And it really troubled the king. Now, here's what you need to know, okay? If you're, if you're taking notes, understand, guys, that uh, Egypt's entire economy was actually present in Pharaoh's dreams. You go, well, how so? Fat cows coming up from the Nile meant prosperity for Egypt, Okay? until the ugly cows came up and devoured him. So when he thought fat cows, he's like, yeah, we're going to be prosperous, right? Heads of grain, plump and good, represented great assets and commodities until the east wind came. And you go, east wind? Yeah, the east wind is known as the Hamsin, and it blows from the Sahara across Egypt, heating up everything in its path with a rise of temperature 50 to 60 degrees in an hour, in just a few hours. 
The wind is so hot, it withers up the crops almost instantly. This is what he saw. Okay? So now he comes to verse 8, and it says, And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent, and he called for who? The magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told him his dream, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Now, I want you to catch this. He wakes up. He's freaked out. He's like, oh, my gosh, I can't. Where's the magicians? Where's? And, and these, are like the, these are like the sorcerers. These are the ones who read tarot cards and all, and he, all the wise men. He's like, here's my dream. And he tells them a dream. Here's the cows. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, I don't know. Hey, Hoss, you got any ideas for that? I don't got any ideas, man. I don't know. That's a weird dream. Hey, Pharaoh, did you have pizza last night, man? What did, what did the, I mean, I know you killed the baker a few years ago, but I mean, maybe the new baker is, I mean, what's going on for him? And they, they, they can't interpret it. You guys understand that. He wants to know what this is all about. So who does he turn to? He doesn't turn to God, does he? Listen, he turns to worldly ways. And you can write that in your Bible. Why? Because he turns to his magicians and he turns to the wise men of Egypt. And I thought, what a lesson here. And you go, why? And I thought, we should ever be so careful in life seeking worldly ways to deal with things. Got to be so careful. You go, why? Because there are so many in our day, in our age, that will see this pandemic and they'll deal with it in a worldly way. And I thought it was a great lesson. The word of God to us today. So my question to you, Christian, is how are you dealing with this pandemic? Are you getting, are you reading newspapers from all over the world? Are you, are you reading everything and all the negative and what's going on? Or are you going, no, 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 that's just the worldly way. I want to, I want to, I want to see God's perspective on it, of it. And you go, well, well, give me an example then. What, what would be a worldly way? I mean, well, it'd be, first of all, watching every single news outcast for days and days. That would really trip you out, wouldn't it? I saw a one minute and 43 segment, and I was just like, that was enough to throw my day off. <laughs> one minute. <laughs> because there was nothing positive. One minute. I'm just like, don't do that again. But, but here's another example. Here's another example. You ready? Liquor sales. Liquor sales since March in Lubbock are up 400%. So when the world shut down, when the world went crazy, when all of a sudden, and, and we're trying to make heads or tails out of this stuff, and we're trying to keep our eyes on Jesus, a lot of people, bless their hearts, they couldn't deal with it, and they turned to worldly ways and said, man, listen, I'm going to, 400 sales, 400%. And I thought, Wow. Here's what we need to notice, guys. We need to notice that none of them could interpret the dream for Pharaoh. None of them. Why? It's a good question, Joe. Why? Because this is going to open the door for Joseph to bring perspective into the situation, to bring God's perspective. Could you imagine if one of them took a shot at it? Oh, the seven cows are, um, you know, whatever it might be. No, 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 no. God says, no, you guys are not going to be able to do this because I want God's perspective. Guys, think about this in our own life, okay? What is God's perspective on what we're going through worldly in, in the world? What is God's perspective? And how does he want us to deal with this? Uh, let, me get, let, me give you, let me give you the quick answer, okay? Number one, you respect the virus. It's real, Okay. We don't sit there and go, well, it ain't real, nanny, nanny, nanny. Let me go lick this door handle. We're not, we don't do that. We respect it, but we don't fear it. We don't fear it because God did give us that spirit of fear. He, didn't, he said, okay, keep walking forward. Okay, keep moving forward. Don't, I respect it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, if, if, if one of you got sick in here, it'd break my heart. Absolutely. I'd be praying for you. You understand that. It's the same as me, but we don't fear it. And, and again, this is... This is what he did. What is God's perspective? Now, let me test my Bible students in here. Did this remind you of another dream later on in the, in the scriptures? Do you remember when, when uh, King Never Can Remember or Nebuchadnezzar had a dream? Do you guys remember? And he called all, he called all the wise guys. Daniel was part of the, with the leadership team, and Daniel comes in. 
the difference was is Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm not telling you the dream. You tell me the dream. And they're like, you know? And he says, if you don't tell me the dream, y'all are done. Dead. And so Daniel heard it. He said, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. And he prayed, remember? He prayed to the Lord. And then he came in, and I thought, wow. So when I was studying this, I was like, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of dreams in the Bible. Well, nobody can, nobody can answer it. Nobody's going, hey, 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 what do we do? Well, here's the thing, guys. It says in verse 9, Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults to this day. Now, here's what I want you you guys remember? Two years later. That's what you got to remember. It's like, oh, <laughs> I was supposed to tell you something. When? Two years ago. <laughs> what have you been doing for two years? Ugh. Two years later. But what, what's your rap then, bro? Well, he says, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants, he put me in custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. Do you remember him? He's dead now. But he said, we each had a dream one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. Each man he interpreted according to his own dream. Okay? Now, I want to point out two things right here. You guys see it? Guys, look at your Bibles, okay? Here's what it says. It still calls Joseph a servant. You guys see that? It says, now there was a young man here that with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. Why? Because here's what I want to say. Joseph, guys, is still a servant. Think about this for a second. A true leader cannot lead until he understands he has to serve, first of all, those he will lead. Okay? A true leader cannot lead until he understands that he has to serve, first, those he's going to lead. Joseph understood that. Joseph understood. Here's how it works in the body of Christ. You ready? We all want to be a servant of God until we're treated like one. We all want to be a servant. We all, oh man, I'm a servant of the God. I'm a servant of the Lord, servant of the Lord, until somebody actually treats us like one, and then we're like, man, you're treating me like a servant. I didn't want to clean the bathrooms. I want, I want, I want to be up behind the pulpit. I, I want them to see what a, great, what a great musician. I mean, all of that stuff. But listen, here's the thing. You ready? A true servant cannot serve. He cannot lead until he understands he has to serve, first of all, those he will lead. It's called a minister. We're just here to serve. I think it's funny because they go, Ben is the senior pastor. And all that means is that I'm the head servant. That's all it means. And I think it's a great lesson for us to have. Well, it came to pass, right? Just as he interpreted, right? So it happened, he restored me to my office and he hanged him. That's what it says in verse 13. Now, here's what God did. God he just jogged, if you will, the butler's memory. And finally, he remembered that Joseph had done for him two years earlier. He tells Pharaoh about Joseph, who desperately wanted to know about his dreams, right? So what happens now is you can, you can cue the dramatic music because Joseph's life is about to change. You understand, he was in the pit. His brothers had forsaked him, had left him in there. His heart was broken. His own family had turned on him. And now... He, was a, he, he ended up in prison for being falsely accused, but now his life is about to change. It's about to change, right? He doesn't know it. But again, he went from the pit to the prison, and now he's about to go to the palace. Look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, 
And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Now, notice the wording. He was in a dungeon. Okay, so if you think the prison was like some, you know, nice house with, you know, internet and a workout room and all that, and that's what Joe did, you know, got buff while he was... No, 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 he was in a dungeon. He was overseeing all of them, but this was... And, and I mean, think about that. He changed his clothes. He's coming to see, he's coming to see the most powerful man in the world from the prison. Now... I want you to think about something. You guys ready? Put your thinking caps on. You go, okay, Ben, I'm with you. Two years. What was going on? During, the, during that time, when we think God isn't doing anything, he's doing the work that's most important to him. You go, whoa, 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 What? That time, for two years, guys, we think, well, what is God doing? Why, did he, why, didn't he, why didn't he take care of it? He's doing the most important. You go, well, Ben, what's the work? You know what he does during those times when we think he's not doing anything? He was developing Joseph's character. How are you going to be the second most powerful man in the world if you're not developed character in the prison cell? That's what God's doing. And so our lives, we go, I don't know, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Anybody ever ask God, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's developing your character. He wants to humble us. He wants, to, he wants us to be all that God can make us to be. Okay? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is during the time he's developing our character, he's transforming our hearts. That's what he is. He's transforming our heart. Our heart is not the same. Our heart is not the same. That's what he did with Joseph. Why? Because Joseph is going to have to have a heart for people. He could have easily said, listen, I'm a Hebrew. You're Egyptians. You all do whatever you want to do. But he didn't, did he? Because God was saying, listen, I want to develop you. How does God develop our character? How does he do that? It's in the midst of those trials. It's in the midst of those loneliness. It's in the midst. So what do I do? What do I do when, 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 Man, I feel like, like, like God isn't doing anything in my life. You keep doing what you do. You keep spending time with him. You keep reading his word. You keep walking in closeness to him. And one day, and one day, verse 15 says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, check this out. Notice his rap. He says, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace. I mean, I'm just like, I love this. Why, guys? Think about this. How important we give honor to the Lord, right? We never take credit for what only God can do. Do you guys see that in here? And I love, I love, I love the heart of Joseph. Why? Because he said, it is beyond my power to do this. He says, only God can do it. Only God can do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if somebody said, hey, hey, tell me the dream. You know I can tell you the dream, Pharaoh. What's in it for me, Holmes? You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, listen, I uh, let's negotiate here. I'll tell you the dream. He doesn't do that, right? He says, "I can't do this. That's not in me." And I and I love that. Why? Because another character that comes to mind that you're going to see a little bit later on in life is Moses. And Moses, guys, he he did real well, but but he took God's glory. If you recall, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, it says, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. This is the second time. And here's what he said. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. So now he's mad at the people. Hear now, you rebels. This is Moses. This is Pastor Moses. Can you imagine? I wonder how many people said, We're not coming back to his church. <laughs> Pastor Moses call us rebels. <laughs> But, but, but he says this. Now, here's, here's where Moses messes up. He says, must we bring water out of this rock? No, Mo, it's not you. It's not we. It's never been we. Guys, you can see what's happening in the world today, right? And you can look at some of the stuff and you just shake your head and you go, man, this is crazy. 
And I told Joe earlier today, I said, what is, who is man that God is mindful of us? And he laughs at the plans that we're devouring. Maybe we'll just get them and we'll do it. And God's like, no. No. Listen, when God begins to use you, whether it's a hug or, or the gifting that God has given you, and people begin to recognize that gift, you always, guys, turn it back to God. Pastor, that was an amazing message. That was so good. You're so anointed. I have one or two choices, don't I? You think so? Tell me more. What really touched you? I know, isn't it? Yep. I just don't know why more people aren't coming to listen to me. I'm so blessed and so anointed. Praise be. Or we can just simply go, you know what? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you. There's times I listen to myself on the radio, and I thought, wow, that was good. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a prideful way. I was like, how did, I didn't even know I knew that. You know what I mean? I didn't even know I taught like, oh, that was, that's pretty good. Wow. Because why? Help me out here. Amen. Because it's God, right? It's God. It's God working in us and through us. That's all. That's all. And if we'll let him just work through us. Now, wrap your mind around this. Wrap your mind around this. Joseph has been in the pit, sold to the Midianites, served as a slave to Potiphar, falsely accused, put in prison for two plus years. Yet I see something in the text that that stands out to me. You go, what's that? Jot this down. Joseph exemplifies humility. Do you guys see it? You go, how so? Because he says, it's not in me. He says, only God will give you peace. So here's a question. You ready? Here's a question. How did Joseph walk in humility in prison? If, If you guys are real truthful with yourself... I don't know if I could walk in humility in prison without complaining a whole bunch. I mean, I'm not even in prison and I complain. You go, well, how? Listen to this. Colossians chapter 2, Paul writes in verses 6 and 7, and he says this. Now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots Grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness, period. You want to know how Joseph walked in humility? He says, man, he was rooted in Jesus that's what he says. He goes, guys, guys, listen. He says, he says, let your roots go down into him. Let your roots go down. Growing up in New Mexico, we would often make money as kids to pull weeds. Okay? Weeds used to grow so high. And then some of the older people, they wouldn't do their So we'd go by and we'd knock on the door. Hi, we'd like to make some money. Can we pull your weeds? Sure, kid, we'll give you 10 bucks. I mean, it was not worth the 10 bucks. So we get our little gloves and we go over there and we would try to pull the, you guys know, what? anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Yeah, pull. We'd pull these weeds, man. And if it rained, we were lucky we'd get some of the weeds out, but there were some weeds that would not budge. <laughs> think I busted eyeballs or in, in, in eardrums trying to pull stuff out. But here's the point. The, the roots were so deep that it wouldn't come out of the ground. Well, that's a picture he's painting. Guys, your roots need to be so deep in Jesus that the enemy comes and says, Go on, Joe! And Joe's like, "Mm, Nope. Mm, Nope. Well, don't you think that church ought to do this? Mm, Walking in humility. You see that? You see that, guys? And then your faith, it says, and then let your lives be built on him. This is how. For us to to display humility, guys, we need to be found in Christ. Now, 
back at our text. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read what we just read, okay? Because here it is. Look at verse 17. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, I had a dream, right? I stood on the bank of the river. And suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking, fat, and they, they fed in the meadow, right? That's, 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 our, that's our economy. And behold, seven other cows came up after him, poor and ugly and gaunt. And such ugliness I've never seen in the land of Egypt. These were ugly cows. And gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. And when they had eaten up, no one would have known that they had eaten up because they weren't even fat. They were just as ugly as the beginning. And I woke up. And I also saw my dream seven heads. Suddenly seven heads came up with one stock full and good. Behold, seven heads withered thin, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. And so I told this to the magicians, but there was no one that could explain it to me. So do you see what he said? He adds a little bit to his dream. He said, even, even when the ugly cows ate the fat cows, they still look ugly. They're still thin. I don't understand. And, and, and I, I asked him, and he goes, now, what is Joe going to do? Joseph is going to give the interpretation. God is showing Pharaoh what he's about to do. Okay? Look at verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. Okay, Joe, what do you mean? God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Everybody underline that because this is what God is doing. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads are seven years. One dream. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years and the seven empty heads blighted by the east winds are what? Seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. There's two times God said he's about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt, but after them, seven years of famine will arise until all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice. Why, Pharaoh? Because this is established by God, and God will bring it to pass shortly. And everybody goes, amen. Amen. Why? Because I once, uh, we need to understand here, guys. We need to, first of all, understand and note Joseph's character. You go, why? Listen, the one thing is one thing, first and foremost, to talk to the butler in prison about a dream. To talk to the baker. Okay, let me tell you your dream. But to speak, guys, the oracles of God in front of the king, I love that Joseph's character is done, what, calmly and firmly. Calmly and firmly. He unfolds the dream's meaning. It's really simple. There's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. The famine is going to be so severe that you won't even remember the good years. Let me say that again. The famine is going to be so severe that you won't even remember the seven years of plenty. And you go, Ben, why did you say that again? Because there's a lot of times, guys, that as we move forward in 2020, we don't even remember the good years. It's just so much of the... Now, here is where humility marries wisdom. Following the leading of the Lord in humility brings wisdom. Take a look. Now, Pharaoh, he says, therefore, select a discerning wise man and set him up over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce in the land of Egypt and seven plentiful years. Let them gather up all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servant. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man whom is the Spirit of God? Question mark. So he tells them, Okay, guys, let me tell you. Here's, let, me, let me give my advice. Now, here's what I want, you, I want you to see his character. I want you to compare it to your character, okay? Joseph loves people. 
okay? Because he's not going, well, you know what? The seven years, good luck, man. You got me in this prison and blah, 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 and I hate it here, and I just want to go home to my family. And No, you know what he says? He says, let me, let me help you. Let me, let me problem solve. Here's what you need to do. Now, and, and notice he doesn't say, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I can do this. I can do that. I interpret it. He just says, find a man. Find a man. And Pharaoh says something so key. What does he say? He says, can we find such a one as this, a man whom is the Spirit of God? In other words, this is the first mention, guys, of the Holy Spirit coming upon the man. This is one of the first mentions. And who is it? It's going to be Joseph. So here's Joseph, a man of character, a man of humility, and a man of wisdom. Now, here's what we're going to do, guys, okay? We've come to verse 38. Um, let's make some quick notes, and then we'll, we'll close, okay? Let me, let's make some quick notes. Let me go back to verse 32. Verse 32 says, And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because this thing is established by God, and God will certainly bring it to pass. In other words, just in case, Pharaoh, you thought this was simply a bad dream, I repeated this thing is established by God. He will bring it to pass. Okay? He will bring it to pass. Now, here's the application for us. You ready? Jesus is coming back soon. He promised he was going to come. He said he was going to come. He established that he's going to come. And he is going to bring it back soon. He is going to come back. I promise. What an exciting time that you and I could be in church and we hear in our spirits the trumpet of God and the joy that would fill our hearts as we say goodbye to this earth to go be with him. He, he, he said it, guys. He said it. He established that. Remember on Sunday, what did he tell us? He said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He says, you're going to have some tough times, but don't worry, I'm coming. Think about this for a moment. Think about this. It will be worth it all. All the trials, all the tribulation, all that, when you see his face. It'll be worth it all. And I like the other hymn that we used to sing way back in the day. Right? He's coming back for me. He's coming back again. And I'm the only reason. Now, I like that. He's coming back again. And I'm the only reason. Great, great song we used to sing back in church back in, back in the day. But I love that. He's coming back and he's coming back for us. He's built, he's built our mansions, guys. It's done. He's just waiting for the Father to say, go get your bride. Go get your bride. So what do we do? Well, he's building character. Okay? He's transforming our hearts. So we can tell as many people to get on. Come on. You need Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Point number two. WWYD. You go, what is that? What would you do? What would you do? Joseph doesn't negotiate freedom. He's a man of integrity. He simply tells the most powerful man in the world, here's what I think you should do. I ask you, what, what would you do in that situation? There you are standing in front of the most powerful man in the world. Well, I don't want to pay taxes for the rest of my life. Or I don't want, you know what I mean? But he just says, listen, here's what I think you should do. I think the only reason that we can stand with such boldness and calmness is because we've heard from God and we're walking in his spirit. Let me give you another point. You ready? This is a good point. This is a good practical point. Joseph tells Pharaoh, you need to save 20% each year to help with the seven famine, years of famine. Save 20% each year. You go, okay. I think it's a great principle for us, right? You go, what do you mean? I think after your tithes and your offerings, I think we should try to save 20% of our annual salary for a time when we really need it. I mean, as a great principle in the Bible. You go, 20%. Well... Let me give you an example. Let's say you make $60,000 a year. You have to, try, and I say try because I understand people live from paycheck to paycheck, but try to save 12000 for a time that either you cannot work or you get laid off. It's just wisdom. It's just wisdom. 
And I know, again, a lot of people live from paycheck to paycheck, but if you're ever in a position to do this, I think it's wise. Because, because again, it's just wise. Well, Ben, I have, let's see, right? you know, okay, so you can't save 20%, but what can you save for that rainy day when maybe seven years of famine come in? That's really how our Social Security is supposed to work, but but talk to those who are on Social Security. It's like, I didn't get enough. I know, I know, I know. Okay, that's the end of our study. Let's close. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. As, as the worship team comes back up, let me say this. Next week, we see Joseph in the palace, okay, where he's going to do a lot of good. But I want you to remember tonight that God can use us in the pit to encourage others. And sometimes people are still in the pit, man. They're in the pit. They're in the they're in despair of life. They're in the pit, man. Things really stink, but you can encourage others. It's okay. In the prison, to be a blessing, to serve others. And then we're going to see Joe in the palace is going to be for the greater good of mankind. He's actually going to save his family. Guys, let me encourage you tonight with these three things, okay? Tonight, let's, let's be a Joseph. Let's let God develop our character. Let us walk in humility with him. We really are nothing. He's everything. Let him develop our integrity. And let us be wise. That's Joe. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We love you so much. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, and we pray. Father, I never want to leave a Bible study without offering an invitation for anyone who's either watching online, who's listening by podcast, or even here, God, without an opportunity to surrender their lives to Jesus. Father, there's no scare tactic. There's no, all we're saying is that, listen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe he was speaking to you tonight. And as you're watching online or you're listening or you're even here, maybe he's speaking to you. And maybe maybe as the Bible study was going on, you were you said, man, some lights were going off, and here's the realization you came to. You said, Ben, I, I came to the realization that I just don't have a relationship with Jesus, not like you're talking about. I've I've never surrendered my life to him. And and Ben, to be honest with you, there are times that I feel like 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 I'm like I'm miles away from God. Like, like, like maybe you're here tonight and, and you feel like you're miles away from God. Like, but let me say this to you. Can I encourage you that you're only one decision from coming back to him? And I know the enemy has told you that he's mad at you and you don't measure up and all that. But listen, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's opening up his arms and he's saying, would you come home? And you go, to do what, Ben? What do, what, what do I need to do? Well, here's what the Bible says. In the book of Romans, it says that in order to be saved, you need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. If God is speaking to you, it's really, really simple. Because, see, it's a supernatural thing. It's called being born again. And God begins to speak in your heart, and you go, well, Ben, what do I need to do? Well, in a moment, I'm just going to ask, ask you to just lift up your hand and say, Ben, will you pray for me? I feel like I want to surrender my life to God. I want to give it to God. I want to be saved. I want to, this is what I want to do. This is what, I, this is what he's telling me to do. I want to be right. I want my sins forgiven. I want to live with joy and peace. I want to know that, that he's coming back for me. I want to be part of his, uh, the bride. I want, to, I want to go to heaven, Ben. And you're telling me that I just need to believe and confess. I'm ready to do that right now. Well, with every eye closed and every head bowed, those of you watching, those of you listening by podcast, whatever it might be on the radio, here's what you need to do. All you have to do right now 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, if God is speaking to you, if God is speaking to you and has been speaking to you through this Bible study and you are not in a right relationship with him, but you want to be, then all you have to do is lift up your hand right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. See, nobody's watching. It's just between you and God. And all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to be saved. I want, it, my, I want my life completely to God right now. Now, you may be watching and you may lift in your hand. I can't see you, but then would you just, all you have to do is simply pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, be my friend. I believe in you and I need you and I repent of my sins and I follow you, Jesus. Today, I'm going to follow you. July 15th, I'm all yours. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come in to rule and reign. You are my God from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we want to we wanna know about it. We want to give you a Bible. We have a Bible study guide to walk with you. And if you prayed that prayer, please tell us. Okay, make a note in the comment. Send us an email at calvarylubbock.com. We love you. We love you. We love you. God bless you. See you guys on Wednesday. God bless you. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.